Welcome everybody. My name is Richard C. Wilson, founder of the Family Office Club, and today I'm here with Stephen Epstein from TaxCreditExpert.com, and we're going to be talking about R&D tax credits, and uh, welcome, Stephen. Thanks so much, Richard. Appreciate you having me on the show. Sure. So essentially, there are certain companies that would qualify for this type of tax credit. It's a very beneficial tax credit if you do qualify. And I think a lot of people don't realize that they might qualify because they think of R&D tax credit and they think of maybe people at Intel and bunny suits creating, you know, silicon chips or something. And um, when I dug into this with you and your team, I found a few things and you can kind of correct me where I'm wrong and, and make this more clear for people. But if you are in the manufacturing business, uh, line of business. If you are doing software development in the United States with some U.S. software programmers um, or doing other types of things that could be classified as R&D activities, and especially if your business is just three to five years old or something in that, that range, I remember this could be something you really want to take a look at and you could qualify for every year unless they, they made this go away. And I haven't seen this on Biden's hit list of things to make go away, but that's basically the extent of my understanding. And I know a lot of people have not heard about this credit at all. So I just want to have you kind of correct me a little bit and just put some scope around this tax credit. Sure. No, thanks. Thanks for bringing up some of those good points. It's true. I mean, people mistakenly uh, think of R&D tax credits as guys sitting around, scientists sitting around, pharmaceutical company with, with beakers and chemicals and experimenting with different, you know, different, uh, things like that. And, and that's partially true. Of course, those companies qualify for research and development tax credits. But, you know, back in the 80s, when the United States was faced with really stiff competition from Japan, um, they wanted to incentivize companies to reinvest into making the United States more competitive. And since then, more or less uh, on and off again, uh, there's been research and development tax credits available. And really, for the last five or six years, they've been made permanent as part of the tax code. So it'd be very, very difficult for the Biden administration or any future administration to really change this because it's sort of part and parcel. That's part of the fabric of the tax code right now. But I'm not a CPA. Uh, we're a consultant. We're an independent group that helps companies that are, like you said, in the manufacturing world or software world or you know some of these other industries that apply, engineering, uh, architecture, other things that you might not think of. We help groups uh, document their research and development tax credits, and we work with their CPAs to help them understand and, and document and prove their tax credit. So, um, and the reason you want to have an independent party do this is because it really is a specialty. And, uh, you know, if you're a software company, you go to your, you go to your CPA, who's not an expert in this, and say, hey, I heard I qualified for a tax credit. They'll say, oh, it's more trouble than it's worth. And that'll be the end of that conversation, right? Uh, when in reality, it's, it's a little more complex. Um, there's two, really two types of, of tax credits that apply both as a payroll credit uh, rebate. So you can actually get money back from the government, even if you're not profitable. And you can also take uh, R&D tax credits as an income offset against your net income. So they're very, very robust. They're for mature companies, they can use them as an income, net income offset, or for early stage companies, you can actually use them against uh, payroll credits. Right, right. Payroll tax. Great. And um, 
what is the number of years? Is it three years or five years where if your company's only been around for so many years, you can kind of use this as well to count on against payroll? Yeah, there, there's a few different there's a few different criteria, and we don't need to get necessarily into the deep minutia of, of how old you are versus whether you're profitable or not profitable. But you know, if you spend more than about uh, three hundred thousand dollars a year in payroll, um, and you're you do any kind of engineering or manufacturing, including software, there's a pretty good chance that you qualify, and there's a pretty good chance it's worth recovering the tax credit. If you only spend about two hundred thousand dollars a year in W two payroll, it's probably the cost of doing the study and figuring all this out is going to be going to be burdensome. But um, you know, just like uh, there's other things like cost segregation studies. You know, if you have a big enough real estate project, they're very worthwhile. They can save you hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Uh, this is the same thing. We we found um, for a company that had been doing software engineering uh, and software development for the last seven years, we found over a million dollars of tax credits for them, uh, which is insane because that's those are dollar for dollar credits that they can use to offset their actual tax bill. So it's not a reduction of your tax uh, taxable income; it's actual dollar for dollar credit. So it's it's really it's really worth exploring. And again, people don't think of engineering as like an architecture firm, a real estate development company. Um, you might have a software engineering business, any manufacturing business that's doing process improvement, uh, granite and stone companies, manufacturing uh, fabrication businesses, even certain uh, construction companies might qualify, but we see a lot of engineering firms and architecture firms uh, getting getting great credits as well. Sure, and then because of your understanding of this tax credit, if somebody is growing a business or looking to invest in a business or starting a business from scratch, and they just wanna keep this credit in mind and whether they, obviously if they do software programming onshore versus offshore, this would have an impact. Are, are, are there a couple other things that people should know if they wanted to just make sure that they're doing effective tax planning with their companies. Like with cost segregation, I found out, you know, you maximize the ability to use cost segregation when the land is a low percentage of the total cost of the property you're buying. If the land is 90% yeah. of the value, you're not going to be depreciating much on the structure. And so going into it, you can know this is not a property that's going to have a big cost seg benefit. For the R&D tax credits, um, is there a big decision or something that's maybe not obvious on the surface or something you've learned that would be important to making something work very well with this tax credit? Yeah, so we have we have probably like a dozen videos on our website that are all free. You don't have to sign up for anything. You just go to our website and you can watch these educational videos. And really within about 15 minutes, you can really get up to speed, 15, 20 minutes up to speed on whether you qualify or not. Because that's really the how each of these videos is sort of outlined. So you know, go to taxcreditexpert.com and check out some of those videos and obviously reach out. We do free consultations with people. Um, essentially the way that our business works is that we take a percentage of the money that we find for you. Um, obviously we wanna make sure you're comfortable with you know, every part and piece of the process and that we have to then pay the cost of defending you if there's ever an audit. So we're kind of, we align ourselves very much. So there's, you know, it's, it's a contingency based type service. Um, again, we're a consulting firm, not a CPA firm. So if you're a CPA, you couldn't do contingency based work. So that's one of the reasons that we're, we're, a, uh, you know, the type of, of, of financial arrangement that we have set up, but, but there's lots of things to answer your question. 
with regard to things you should look out for. I mean, you know, it's really the amount that you spend on payroll and it's payroll within the United States. And to the types of people that are going to be eligible are going to be people that are engaged in process improvement work. They're doing iterative testing, uh, documentation of various processes. So for example, let's say you have a, a granite and stone business and you, you fabricate countertops. Well, you're continuously testing different uh, blades and tools and, and you're, you're aligning and rearranging your, your uh, workflow within the, the various uh, different pieces of machines that you use. You're reconfiguring your shop and you're testing for the speed of throughput and the efficiency of throughput. So any manufacturing process from uh, baking you know, pizzas to you know, uh, fabricating you know, very intricate uh, machinery equipment parts, all, really anybody in anything in between will qualify if they're doing process improvement work where they're improving the viability of the product, the, the speed and cost of the manufacturing process to try to reduce that, or they're trying to improve the uh, consistency and quality and uh, sort of reliability and reduce the, the um, error rate and the, and the uh, you know, reject, rejection rates and so forth. Right, right. Okay, makes sense. Yeah, so I could see um, how this could be relevant to many people in our community because if you're looking at, inve at investing in a company and they don't know about this, introducing them to you could create a lot of goodwill if you're able to save them a lot on this credit and it's a reoccurring credit. Um, obviously, it kind of changes the IRR on things if you are on the cap table of a company or you're going to be and all of a sudden the business becomes much more tax efficient. They can grow faster, they could reinvest, they could hire more people on their staff, et cetera. So obviously I think that um, business owners listening to this probably see several ways where this could be the way that you get your foot in the door somewhere where you want to do a business deal or an acquisition or just a way to deposit some goodwill coins in the bank with somebody you know, pretty quickly if they would qualify, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great tool in acquisitions as well uh, to defray or offset the cost of uh, making a purchase. So if you're looking at acquiring a big manufacturing company and you see that they have, you know, a million dollars worth of payroll, you know, you're looking at, you know, it's, it's hard to calculate offhand, but, but a relatively meaningful percentage of that uh, could be recovered in the form of, of dropping straight to the bottom line. And so that can be a meaningful amount of money if you have a, a high grossing, low margin business where payroll is a really big component of what you do. Um, and, and it's very heavy in engineering. That's why architecture firms, engineering firms, software development firms, it's very high, uh, very high dollar hourly workers that are doing a lot of testing and refinement. And software development is a, is, is a great case because of the fact that it's, it's being tested and debugged and they're using um, you know, various uh, uh, you know, either programming languages or, or testing methodologies and so forth. So, right. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. Awesome. Well, this is something that I'm um, glad we had a chance to cover as part of this 100 tax expert interview series. And if anyone has any other questions, just please uh, let us know. We'll connect you directly to Stephen, or you can just check out his website at taxcreditexpert.com and watch some of those videos and get to know him and his team. Um, I've had a chance to fly down to Nashville and meet with him in person uh, just about six weeks ago, I think it was. Um, and I've gotten to know several people on his team. So I appreciate your time here today, Stephen. 
Thanks, Richard. Yeah, we're really excited about these tax credits. We've saved uh, entrepreneurs just tons of money and, and made uh, a you know, good amount of money for ourselves. And, and there's no restriction on what you can spend the tax credits on. So, um, you know, we, when we did it, for, we actually started off by doing this for our own business. And um, I bought a, a Chris Craft ski boat um, with the tax credit money that I got back. So you don't have to reinvest the money in the business. It's, it's yours to keep and do what you want with. If you want to buy a ski boat with it, you can. And uh, I highly encourage you to, you know, have fun with this process and, uh, and, and, and get the money that's rightfully yours because uh, you can go back a few years as well and, and claim stuff in the past. So. Awesome. Great. Appreciate your time here today.